Welcome to the Cabin Culture Podcast, where we spend a little more time diving deeper into all the fun parts of cabin culture. We like to think of this as both the material and imagined expressions of how cabin lovers, dwellers, builders, designers, and dreamers wish to live a more simple and authentic life. We've got back-to-back A-frames for you folks this week. Jen and Ken hop on the pod today to share with us their 1960s A-frame in the Catskills of New York. Just recently, their episode of The Cabin Chronicles debuted, and they talked with Janice about the filming process and how they felt their story was told. Janice dives into the buy and renovation process with them from a six-month closing to finding dead critters in the walls. It was a grind from the very start for them, but that can make the final result all the more special. The final product is a space inspired by intentional minimalism that allows their family to disconnect, appreciate, and learn from all that nature has to offer. Jen and Ken are as genuine as they come and a treat to listen to. Hope you enjoy this week's episode. All right. Hey, it's so nice to meet you guys. Welcome to the Cabin Culture Podcast. Um, Can you start by introducing yourself and telling us where you're located right now? I'm Jennifer. And I'm Kennard. We are in Queens, New York. Okay. Um, I just, I feel like for anyone not watching this on YouTube, they really need to understand what's behind you and what I'm seeing in frame, um, which is, it appears to be wall. Is that just beautiful wallpaper or is that actually a mural behind you? It's actually a mural, but it's, yeah, it's a mural wallpaper combo of some sort. Yes. They, they consider it a mural, but it's, it's wallpaper, but it creates the effect of a mural. It really does. It's beautiful. It's very colorful, which I also particularly enjoy. Okay, so you all own Pine Hill Cabin. Can you give us an introduction to your cabin as if it were just a member of your family? For anyone who didn't see Cabin Chronicles Season 3, Pine Hill Cabin was on that season, which is one of the reasons why we're chatting today. But in case you haven't seen that yet, give us an introduction to your cabin. So Pine Hill A-Frame is located in Pine Hill, New York. Uh, which is a small hamlet within Caskill Park and Caskill Mountains. Um, our little A-frame was built in 1960-ish mm-hmm. um, and is 799 square feet. So it's pretty small. Um, it's three bedrooms, one and a half bathrooms, two stories, and it sits on two acres of land. Um, what else would you say about little cabin? Um when we first purchased it, um, the owner, the previous owner, um, very sweet. We are fortunate enough to have met her and have sit-downs with her and gotten a lot of history of the cabin. Um, she owned it for 50 years. And so she spent a lot of time there with her children, with her family. So there was tons of memories built there. And so letting go of the cabin, you know, was substantial for her. And she wanted to make sure that sort of went to a family that was also going to, you know, build memories there. And so, um, you know, that sort of started the the process and the journey and grew the connection with the cabin. And so um, even though we sort of transformed the entire cabin, you know, the history is still there. And, um, you know, that was that was part of what guided the the design and 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 the journey did you all meet with her like did she interview people um no she didn't interview but jennifer did have a a a date with her um where she went over to her house and spent some time with her um so we we 
we had to write some letters um, to her, um, <laughs> just explaining to her kind of, you know, the type of family we were, uh, what we were looking again to, to kind of um, provide for our kids within nature and just having access to that space. Um, but Jennifer did go over there and, and meet with her. She's actually from Queens as well. So um, the connection was, it was, yes, very interesting. Um, yeah, her, she's about 15 minutes away from our home. From our home in Queens. And so, so the, the irony, yes. Yeah. Um, so was this date before you put in an offer or after you put in an offer before you were under contract? Or was this like after you had moved through that process? It was after we had moved through that process. But the okay. letters were during the process. It during the process, Before. Yeah. Uh, during the offer time and then even in between, because um, honestly, our, our buying process was six months long um, because she, you know, it was a very big deal for her to sort of let go of the cabin. Um, but she's an elder and knew that she could no longer utilize it. It had she it was five years ago that she visited the cabin. She had five years without visiting. Children were all adults, no longer using the cabin. And so um, we wrote the letters during the process. But yeah. We met her and do I met her and sat down with her at her home um, in Queens once we closed um, and we sat down. She shared pictures of the house and, you know, had a lengthy conversation. <laughs> That's really special and very unique. I feel like that doesn't happen very often. No, no. And even from the perspective of people who renovate usually have lots of questions for previous owners because you like find things and you're like, what were they thinking when they did this? And and you all actually had like a face and a name to put to that. Did you ever when you were renovating, did you ever reach out to her and ask any questions about things? We didn't just because um, honestly, you know, a lot of things I, I don't think she was very aware in terms of like the condition of the cabin, considering it was five years, you know, since she had visited the cabin. Yeah. Um, I don't know that she was very aware. For example, you know, once we closed, we noticed that there was animals living behind the walls and tons of animals and you could hear them, you could smell them. And she was completely clueless. And so for five um, years, no one had been there. So the animals were like, okay, we'll make a home here. Yes. We'll make a home here. Yeah. yeah. How did you solve that problem? Just asking for someone who might be dealing with it at their primary home at this moment. Um, I mean, we we kind of lucked out. Um, nature kind of took care of it for us. Unfortunately, the 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 raccoon that was living in there um, got stuck in between uh, some of the construction that was happening uh, and died. So during our process of we when we were gutting it. Um, we knew that it was in there, but it had been moving around. Uh, and then eventually it was kind of found um, on the second floor by the skylight. Um, yeah. But, but that was also kind of what, because um, initially we were keeping the original walls. Let me start there. Yes. We really wanted to keep the live edge walls. And um, once we noticed that there were animals living behind, we said, let's just take one off to see what it looks like behind. And it turned out that all of our installation was full of urine. And oh. and they had shoot our electrical wires. And at that point, that's sort of what transformed a $25,000 renovation to $77,000 um, because there was a lot, you know, behind the walls. And mm-hmm. so for us, I think one of the major lessons was that as much as an inspection reveals what's, you know, within, you know, what you could see, there's so much more that 
an inspection did not reveal. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of what was behind the walls. Do you think this happens to so many people and a lot of our listeners are pre-processed? So a lot of folks who listen to this podcast have cabins, but a lot are also like dreaming about it in the building stage. So I always think it's interesting to ask questions that I think could be helpful to them. Do you think there is anything, is there an inspection that can help you figure that out ahead of time? Or are there just things that no matter how hard you try, it's going to happen? You know, I'm not sure if there's an inspection. Um, I definitely would suggest just, you know, just sort of asking questions in terms of what's behind, what's under, what's above, you know, and not allowing the, the eyes to be the only judge of what's really happening or what no. what the needs are, um, because we were completely clueless. And um, yeah. I think, I mean, unless you have a hound dog who can go in there and sniff <laughs> out, you know, other, other animals that, that might be living on the premise. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I think yeah, it's, it's, it's so much that's unseen, uh, you know, that's happening behind there. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'll say this. I think with the installation, you know, the, the, there's ways of really trying to, to, to see if you see some exposures. You know, there, there might be small signs. But that not, still might not really tell the, the whole picture of really what's story. happening. Yeah. That's what's so hard. I mean, people always ask me. I do cabin consultations with folks who are thinking about this. And one of the most common questions of people at that stage is, do you recommend renovating or building new? Because I've done both. And like... It's hard to weigh the two because it's so beautiful that you are able to give new life to this cabin. You didn't have to cut down any trees to build it. You're using less resources. You're you know, um, really paying tribute to her legacy there too, right? And there's something about that that is so beautiful. And also yeah. a raccoon was living in your wall. <laughs> yes. Right. It's right. just like, it's impossible to weigh which is the yeah. right answer. How did you decide that renovation was the right answer for you? I mean, we, we enjoy renovations. Yes. We, I mean, yeah. we enjoy sort of transforming a space um, to make it our own. And so we, you know, some people say we like things a difficult way, but we sort of like being able to mold something and sort of see the end result. We also wanted our children. We have three children. Um, and we wanted our children to be part of that process mm -hmm. and be able to kind of see uh, the transformation and see that things don't sometimes just, you know, just are handed to you and there's a process and there's work that you right. got to put into it. And so um, that was sort of what was gearing uh, our decision to go with the renovation route. Um, yeah. Um, I think, I, I think, I think after now we think about, you know, building from the ground up, but I think for this, we were definitely looking for a cabin to kind of, again, as Jennifer mentioned, we like taking something old and then give it a new life. Um, and that's kind of part of our story because we, we were involved in like um, vintage furniture, vintage clothes, right? Um, so that's kind of like behind us as well. So with that passion, we were like, well, this is a vintage cabin, right? Let, let's see yes. what we can kind of do um, with this. It's the same. It's the same idea. I think Patagonia. So I'm a filmmaker in real life. So I just I'm always like interested in, in really compelling films. And Patagonia had this campaign called the Warnware campaign. Have you seen that? No, I'm, I'm I'm slightly familiar with it, though. OK, yeah, they do a bunch of repairs and stuff. But this film campaign in particular said the beauty of having a, a puffer, jack a down jacket for like 30 years versus five is like the stories that live in that jacket, right? It's not just, and the culture of fast fashion and replacing clothes really quickly, you lose the memories that come with really meaningful pieces of clothes. And I thought that was such a compelling 
case for a clothing company to make who obviously is going to sell less if they're making really good stuff that lasts. But it feels the same way for houses. We can all go build the perfect house. But what if instead we said, what's here that needs a little extra love and Mm -hmm. bring that to it? I think it's cool that your kids got to see that happen. Was this their first renovation that they saw or have you done other ones? I think this was their biggest. I mean, we've done renovations like minor stuff around the house and we renovated some of our friends' homes and of that nature. Some of our family members' homes, yeah. So they've been around it, you know, on a small scale, but this is the largest scale to see something gutted. Yeah. Um, They've never experienced that. Yeah. They were part of it as well. They they got the demo. um, So, you know, their hands got a little dirty and they, they, you know, had more ownership of it. And have some decision making, so... I love that. And you said Lola now wants to be an architect. Was this the project that won her over or had she had inklings before this? No, this was definitely the project that, yeah. that, that won yes, her yeah. over. And yeah. so she's always designing something now. I love that. I literally started when I was in elementary school, just like drawing cabins on graph paper. So when you talked about her doing that and you showed her drawing, um, it just sounded so familiar to me of just that. It's the dreaming, right? That's the beautiful part mm-hmm. of that. Yes, yes. Is the value of space and like, maybe I can dream up what I want that to be. Yeah. What do you all do in real life outside of the cabin? So we're both in education. (laughs) I am a school social worker. Okay. I'm at a high school here in New York City. Yeah. And then I provide uh, programs to like social and emotional learning programs. Okay. In high school setting you. Awesome. My background is also in education. (laughs) I was a teacher. I did teach for America, which got me into it and then um, stayed in schools for a while coaching teachers, but uh, left for filmmaking about 10 years ago. But I love talking to other teachers. That's nice. So that keeps you in the city. So there is no chance that you're moving to the cabin full time anytime soon. No, that keeps us in the city, but for the most, I mean, we're off summers. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and, you know, as working for our, our union, we work 180 days a year. And so we definitely get substantial time off. And so we travel to the cabin pretty often. Yeah. We're only about two hours and 20 minutes away. And so it's not too far away either. Yes. We do dream of moving there. At least I do often. Um. <laughs> Probably every time you're there. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, every time I'm there, when when I'm not there, because um, it's something about being in this city, and then when you're up there, you just, you know, it's it's nature. It's just trees. I mean, you're not really, yes, there's people, but you're interacting so much more with just nature. And then you come here, and it's like oversaturated. There's all these buildings, all these yep. bad air. Um, so it's it's a huge struggle for me to return here. Uh, and and I'm always trying to figure out how can we like get closer to up there. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting, right? It's like the contrast is kind of what makes it so amazing. And I sometimes wonder to myself, if I moved there full time, would I have that same feeling every time I showed up of just like relaxation? Do you ever think about that? I do. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I it, it, what it brings <laughs> me right now, I mean, I, I would love to experience that like consistently day in and yeah, day out. I know. Um, yeah. I do wonder how it would change life. But I find it so interesting because in your story, you were talking about how you grew up in New York City and didn't have a lot of exposure to nature. What was the turning point for you? Was there an experience? Were the, was it the two of you together? Or did you come to that on your own that all of a sudden you started to really value this connection? So, yeah, growing up in the city, you sort of fear the woods. You fear the unknown. You fear the darkness. You feel the isolation. You're sort of used to being around people all the time you know, used to the chaos that it's like, it's like a child who grew up in a house with multiple children and then you're the only child and you have to sleep in the dark. And so it's sort of, you know, that correlation. So for us, 
um, I mean, for me specifically as a child yeah. growing up in the city, he grew up a little bit outside of the city, but I, um, there was definitely not a connection with the woods. Um, and then I went to college not far from the cabin. And while there, uh, sort of discover just hiking and going to study in the woods, just be actually isolated and being able to focus. And that sort of transformed me personally and, and, and initiated like my desire. And, you know, I started to lose fear and, and then I was just in love and didn't want anything else. And then we, we, we met and started camping. Mm-hmm. Um, some friends invited us to go camping. And then from there on, we were camping just on the regular and bringing the kids. And, and that's sort of what initiated our desire to get a cabin was because we were camping in the area 15 minutes from the cabin and um, found ourselves wanting to be there more permanently throughout the, you know, throughout the year when it was snowing and when the weather changes. And so, um, yeah, I think, I mean, that was my experience. What were you saying? Yeah. For, for me, um, I think it, it started a lot earlier. I grew up in Connecticut. Um, so growing up in Connecticut, uh, I had access to a lot of, you know, nature and just being in the woods. Um, and I had a tree house at one point. Mm. Um, so, you know, it, for me, it, 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 that experience I already had, I think um, realizing the spiritual practice that comes within nature, I think for me was a turning point with having this cabin. Uh, like really like, you know, connecting to nature uh, and just getting back to the soil and understanding how soil is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but I, I grew up around it. So, I mean, I've, I've always been seeking it, whether it's the beach or the mountains, kind of my whole life has been like the journey. So it's interesting to hear that your connection became stronger once you got the cabin. I mean, it makes sense, right? Except that I know what it looks like realistically is that you buy the cabin and you have this dream of connecting to nature. And then you go through this massive renovation, which is all work and all stress and all unexpected surprises. And you're like, wait, where's nature again? Because all I can think about are these things. What was that like, that transition from like having the dream, buying it, then going through this intense renovation? When did you get to like actually enjoy nature? Or were you able to do that during the renovation? We were, um, we, during the renovation, because the kids couldn't be inside and because we couldn't rest in between, um, we will often, we will often, um, pitch a tent outside. And so, um, we spent a substantial amount of time in the tent in the midst of the renovation. We had a porta potty where we used the bathroom. And so we kind of camped out on the land for some time. And so that, that was. Yeah, we had that. We also have the, uh, the rail trail. Um, there, mm. so we we would always take those walks, um, just to again get away. Because you're right, you you do. I mean, plywood. That that that's when you started talking. I can think about is the plywood, right? Um, because that's all we were dealing with all the time. Um, but it definitely allowed us um, that little rail trail to kind of escape from that yeah. and see it. But no, we do we do a lot more now in this process. Now you know after the fact, we do when we were up there. We didn't we like. We go to waterfalls a lot. We chase waterfalls up there. We didn't get to do that during that time. Yeah. Of, oh no, absolutely. No, like absolutely. we 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 had, we had no time to tap into like you know our real surroundings. Just yeah. whatever was right there immediately. Right. Yeah, it's and then you finish and you're like, whoa, I don't know what to do with all this free time. <laughs> I I guess now is when I get to connect with nature because I don't have to worry about those things anymore. I think having kids probably helps. When it was just the two of us there, it felt like I would feel guilty every time we weren't working. So we just like keep working. But when you have kids, it's like, no, they have to pull you away from it a little bit. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And that they do. 
Do you have any tips for folks who prefer to go the renovation route and they're at the beginning stages now? What were your biggest takeaways, things that you would either do differently or things that you're super glad you did? We're glad that we sort of, we, we definitely used to take a step back and mold our design as we went along. Um, we started the renovation process and it, we were still sort of in the midst of the pandemic. Supplies were very short. Mm-hmm. Uh, finding plywood was just a complete disaster. And so we definitely started to think outside of our box where we weren't focused on getting plywood from one place. We ended up renting U-Hauls and transporting them ourselves versus waiting for the delivery. And so we were definitely very hands-on in terms of like making sure we had the supply. But we also were sort of fluid with our design and realized that some of the things that we were so adamant we needed to have or we wanted to have might have not been possible or would have completely delayed. Um, And so being flexible, I think, is key. Um, and I think our biggest takeaway as well was, um, budgeting, (laughs) um, for when it goes, you know, they always say you start off with one budget and it just triples and being prepared for that. Yes. (laughs) And, and because that's how a lot of renovations just, you know, just don't finish because you just budget and assume that you're going to stick to your budget and no matter how much you try to stick to the budget, it just doesn't. It just doesn't happen. That's why people always ask the build cost when they find it. You know, like when you get new followers and then immediately you get that message of like, what's the cost for the reno or the build? And I've really shied away from sharing that number. And it's not because I don't care sharing. It's just because my number is in no way going to tell you what your number is. Absolutely not. And I would hate to give you that number and you'd be like, okay, great. I'm going to budget this much. And then you go into a build and you go into debt because my number wasn't your. It's just so hard. Yeah yeah, 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 very tough, very tough. Yeah. I agree. Um, yeah. Ours was shared. We 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 did a a dwell story of before and after, so we had to share literally like the breakdown the in detail breakdown. Yeah. Um, of what it was, and people were still amazed. But you're right. I mean, it's not that doesn't mean that it's going to happen for them to where they can meet this number to do this renovation. So. That's right. Yeah. I know that your number is triple what you thought it would be, but when I hear seventy five thousand for what you did to that cabin, I will admit I'm like, okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> Which is probably what happened to other people too. Yes. Well, you know, I, I, a lot of it was just hands on. Yes, uh, we cut we cut some labor costs by doing things ourselves, um, yeah. and the fact that we use the same material over and over and mm-hmm. over, which is plywood. Everything, you know, the floor, the walls, um, buying in bulk minimizes it, and so um, I think that that was mainly how we stuck to the budget because if not, it would have been, you know. Even more. Yeah. It, but it also could have been less because of the, the, the price on plywood at the time. I mean, if we went to renovate now, I mean, we're doing it. I mean, we might reach that at 60K, right? Um, so, um, right. Timing yeah. is such a thing that people don't yes. realize, except everyone who built during COVID realizes because we oh, yes. saw those costs skyrocket and then come down a little bit and then change again. And like, that was my introduction to how much those things can change based on supply and demand. If you're dreaming about a cabin build, or are in the midst of a build, or you just bought a place and are getting ready to host for the very first time, regardless of where you are, sometimes you just need a little help along the way. Shared experiences from someone who's been there, advice from someone who's learned a lot of lessons the hard way, that's me, or a cheerleader as you finish up. 
All of these reasons are exactly why I started offering cabin consultations to our Instagram followers and friends who could use some specific one-on-one help. I can't promise to solve all your problems, but I can promise to be transparent about our build costs and process, our organization and project management systems, our favorite and least favorite tools for renting, how we market, and how we found ourselves with almost 80,000 Instagram followers and 100% occupancy in our first year of hosting at Cozy Rock. So if that sounds like it might help you, feel free to visit us at staycozycabin.com or on Instagram at Cozy Rock Cabin and sign up for a time to chat there. I mean, that said, I've never seen plywood look so good on the interior of a home. There's one other cabin in Canada, Fort Treehouse. We had them on the podcast and theirs is all plywood too. And I've just never seen such high-end design centered in plywood. I would never have guessed. Was that yeah. your idea? Did you hire a designer? Did you do this all yourself? We we, we, we are we are the designers. We, we, <laughs> we literally everything. Um, but it's 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 interesting. Um, you, what kind of plywood do they have in in the uh, treehouse? I wish I remembered. I don't know. Okay. I didn't even know until you asked that that there was different kinds of plywood. And, um, and we, my husband funny. would kill me. <laughs> Yeah, we, we, we looked at maple plywood early on, um, and it was part of the design approach. Um, we were looking at the wabi-sabi approach of, like, just accepting all the imperfections uh, and, you know, looking at Jap- Japanese designs, we've seen the plywood being used. Uh, so that did inspire us, mm-hmm. one. Um, the fact of it looking as if you're inside of a tree, you know, like, you know, it's, it's, it's raw, you know, tr- that was another, yes. you know, approach for us as well. We were intentional. We were intentional just about everything um, with it, but it's funny with the plywood. The first plywood we looked at was green. It had a green tone to it. It was maple. I fell in love with it, um, but um, the wife <laughs> wasn't in agreement with it, but I was willing to take that risk. But then it's funny how we came back to that same plywood because we started with it, then we went away, uh, and then we looked at some other types of uh, uh, wood, and then we came back to it. Okay, this is a really good question when there's two of you. Okay, first of all, you're two educators. I'm curious how you got into design. Because, like, your design is, like, very high-end. I've seen a lot of cabins and the design work on the interior. And that's build choices and furniture, color, things like that. But it has a very high-end feel to it that I think is very hard to come by unless you're hiring a designer or are a designer. How did you get to that place with no background in this? Um, I mean, I think just being creative and, um, we, we enjoy, we enjoy architecture and we do enjoy design. And so Mm -hmm. we do sort of, um, study the practice and we do, so like for fun, we would go to, um, Kip Space Showhouse, uh, yeah, the Kip Space Showhouse, um, where they, there's a bunch of designers that have to decorate a room individually. Um, and so but, we'll go there and sort of study it. And so we enjoy, we enjoy that. Yes. Um, our and, travel is dictated by design. We, we, a, a lot of the places we travel to always looking at the design style and gaining inspiration from that. Um, and then also our exposure to vintage furniture. And so, like we said, we are into vintage furniture. And so we, we travel often to like Brinsfield, um, antique show in Massachusetts. And so we, 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 you, we, I mean, we, we purchased things there. Yes. Um, we, a few years ago, um, we were on a show as well, flipping furniture. Um, <laughs> and so <laughs> it's just the random things yes. that happened in between all of this. But, uh, so that just understanding the beauty in, in furniture and sort of understanding the beauty in architecture, I think definitely guide the design 
um, and going with the flow. Like I said, just being flexible. There, there were things that we didn't necessarily anticipate. For example, the benches next to the dining room table were completely free. Um, there was, uh, they, they were throwing them away. At a marina in Long, a marina Island. in Long Island. And so we were like, wait, we'll come and pick them up. And so, and that wasn't necessarily the initial plan, um, but we just sort of said, that's a good fit and it's free. So let's go pick yeah. that up. And our sofa was on sale. And yeah. so we said, wait, that we like the height. We mm-hmm. like the texture. Um, so let's just, you know, and so we sort of just flexibility, I think is key. Yeah. Flexibility. Um, yeah. I mean, we, we, we allowed the home to kind of guide us as well. Um, I know for me also, though, I, I studied theater um, for some time, uh, you know, with theater, like, you know, set design mm-hmm. um, and whatnot, mm-hmm. you're having to build from the ground up. So that is always behind just helping me with the the practice and the study of, well, how do I create this space that's just a blank canvas, right? Yeah. Um, with these different parts fit, how do these different objects kind of interact with each other? So we were very, in, again, intentional with like figuring out, well, what's the feng shui? Um, but we are still like... In the space we're at right now, I think um, we're in a space of um, a lot of things that are uh, tapped into like the Japanese culture. Um, so that was also, again, as well as just like, well, what's the design approach? Um, so yeah, that, that definitely guided us. How did that happen for y'all? I lived in Japan when I was in middle school. So I also love um, a lot of things that, of Japanese culture, but how did that happen for you? Um, so I, 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 study or practice the Tao, um, you know, and, and that's just a simple way of life, right? Um, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, understanding how much in Japan nature is welcomed and is so much part of your daily, you know, living. And I think, you know, us being sort of introduced to nature um, and and understanding the beauty and understanding the, the, even the health and mental health benefits, um, we sort of are, you know, attracted to that. Yeah. Um, and then combining that with architecture and design, um, and f- let's just food, you know, just, it's just, it seems like it's just, it was the perfect fit. Yes. I mean, um, it really does. Cause it is, your cabin is so tastefully done, but it's not overdone. And I think that can sometimes be a mistake when people are trying to get it right in terms of design is like, especially, and I speak for myself when doing it myself, I hired an interior designer. I love design. I think I have an eye for what good design looks like. I cannot for the life of me pull together a room. And when I'm trying to, I always tend to just like keep adding things thinking that will magically do it. And yours has the opposite feel of like you took away just enough that what's there is all necessary and all beautiful and cohesive, but not one thing too much. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll take credit for that. Yes. Um, because well, 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 the approach is a minimalist approach, so that helped us. But yes, you, you always. I'm always less is more. Yeah. Um, we, you know, at home, we just naturally, here, yes. even here, even our wallpaper, you know, we just naturally consume. You know, home never feels the same way as your, you know, as your away place, just because you just buy things and you have you need extra things, and so. Yeah. One of the things I said was I really wanted us to be able to go there and feel like we didn't need anything more um, because we don't. And that's just, you know, we tend to feel like there's so much more that we need and we really don't. And I I was we don't want any closets. So we have no closets in the cabin except one main closet where we keep our just essentials. Yep. And then otherwise, we're just going to carry there whatever we need. Yeah. And then we're going to back. And that is it. Um, 
yeah. because I wanted, you know, I wanted less stress. I wanted less cleaning. Yeah. I wanted less, just keep things simple. Yes. And I think the plywood actually, I think for us, we realized how much of that being an art, you know, just, mm. just look at, you know, the grains and just the way that, that, that wood um, comes together. Um, I think we realized with that. So we was like, you know, we, we don't have much on the wall. We only have one, we have two pieces of art, two pieces of art. Um, within the whole thing, uh, space. So um, we were trying to be intentional as well on just allowing that to be something that people kind of focus on rather than, again, adding so much. Um, and before that, there was a lot in there. A lot. There's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can kind of picture it just because I'm thinking of your classic 1960s, 1970s A-frame and what that looked like. You know, like your grandma's cabin. Like I can kind of yeah. picture what that might have looked like. Yes, yes. What was the biggest recurring fight that you all had while you were renovated? We don't, I mean. We don't fight very yeah, often. Yeah, we don't, we, we don't fight very often. Um, um, recurring yeah. fight. Okay, so it's just us then, because we fight all the time when we're working on projects. You, you, um, you know what? We, we we really provide a good balance with each other. So, um, I mean, there could have been moments, but um, I can't really think. You know, I, 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 well, there were moments where we were just frustrated with just being tired. Yes. And just, you know, working long hours. And I'm like, it's time to stop. And you're like, no, let's just paint one more ceiling. Or, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, that was pushing probably through. the pushing through. That I think that was probably our biggest. But in terms of decision making, we were pretty, pretty, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the way we communicate, it's always an ongoing uh, process. So um, we would never really become frustrated because there was, oh, I mean, we kind of over communicate with each other. We talk to each other way too much. <laughs> Way too much. Well, it sounds like maybe there's no such thing as way too much if you don't fight very often. So maybe this is good advice yeah. for all of us. Talk more and you will fight less. Fight yes. less. Yeah. Okay. Take me to the Cabin Chronicles. Now, it sounds like your experience at television. So maybe it wasn't quite as much a surprise to you as it was to us. But when did you find out about it? Did they reach out to you? Like, how did that happen for you? Um, they did reach out to us. Um a casting director reached out to you. Yes, a casting director reached out to me. We loved Cabin Chronicles prior, and so we were mm -hmm. fans of the show and watched every single episode. Yep, me too. Um, especially especially yeah. during the renovation, and we were just like, oh my goodness, this is such a great place, or this is you know, such a good feeling. Um, and so we were ecstatic when they reached out to us. Um, yeah, I think, you know, even though we had been on television one time prior, I can't say we are experienced. I'm experienced television folks. Um, I'm definitely more on the Shire end. And so being on television was definitely a pretty big deal for us. Um, it was definitely our children's first time, um, but they're kids. So for them, it's just, it's not, it's not that serious. Yeah. They're like, you know? what's TV? I don't understand. Is this going on TikTok too? Or like, just, just <laughs> mostly yeah. in, but it is changing rapidly how we consume content. Yes. Um, okay. So then what were you, what was the lead up to it? Like, did you have to do anything to prepare? How were you feeling leading up to it? And then I'm excited to hear about your filming experience. Leading up. There wasn't, I mean, so I'll say this, we added our swing. Um, we, we, just we, in time. Yeah. Just in time. Um, cause you know, again, they contacted us pretty early on. We had just finished renovation and I mean, you can say that, but you're still renovating somewhere. Yep. Right? <laughs> Same with the build. <laughs> yes. The first year afterwards was like just one project after another. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. So, uh, so that we add, we added the swing on the, on the front uh, porch or deck. Um, but other than that, there wasn't anything else we kind of had to prepare for. Um, okay. So it. take me, take me to the filming. What was that experience like for you all? Long. Yeah. yeah. A lot longer than what we expected. Um, I think we started at 8 a.m. and then it finished at 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of smacked in the middle of the week. And so we drove there the night before. Um, and filmed all day and then had to return back because the kids next had a school night. trip next <laughs> the, the You next were just morning. there for one day. During yes. filming, we were just there for one wow. day. Um, and we returned back a few days later, but we we had to come back and sort of bounce back and forth a little bit um, just because they really wanted to go. You know, their schedule was tight and we also wanted um, – it to happen during foliage and like, it was just a perfect yeah. time because it's, you know, when we enjoy it the most. Mm-hmm. And so um, we were just trying to make sure we captured it, you know, during that week specifically, but it was, it was a long day. We filmed for about 12, 12 hours. Um, and with the children, it was, you know, yeah, we were multitasking with filming and parenting and yeah, trying yeah. to keep them quiet. And it was just, yeah lot that happened behind the scenes for sure. Yes. Not quite the same, but we have three dogs, two of which who didn't get along. So we literally had two cars running outside with the dog in each and then one dog in the house. And it was like, and our cabin, I don't know the square footage of yours. I think you told me, was it 700? Uh, 799. Mm -hmm. Okay. So almost exactly the same as ours. Not a big cabin. So then you put all that equipment in there and three dogs. It was like, yes, a lot. Yes. Any yeah. surprises from filming? Anything that surprised you that you just did not see being part of the process or didn't see coming? I mean, for me, it was definitely the length of time that we filmed and it was sort of nonstop. Um, like you said, the equipment, it was a lot. Um, and there was a lot of moving parts, um, the change of the light bulbs. It was just a lot of, you know, just sort of the, the filming aspect of things that was pretty shocking. Um, but the end result was just so perfect yeah. and it was so beautiful and it, and it just, it really captures us. Um, even though it was, you know, we only, it only took us a day to film. It definitely captures our overall experience and it, it's true to our nature. Um, and it's true to our experience there. And so I think the end result and how they just put everything together was just quite amazing. Yeah. yeah. Any surprises for you, Kennard? No, um, not necessarily. I mean, I, I've been on productions and on sets, um, so not with that. Um, hmm. No, probably the parenting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just, just trying to multitask. Everything else. I mean, I, I, I was kind of used to the process, and, and you know, just excited about it. More yeah, so, so. you knew what to expect. Anything yes. that you wish when you saw the final film was there anything that you wish they had included? Because obviously they're taking all this content and it's cut down to like nine minutes. So there's gonna be things that are left out. Was there anything that you were like, darn, I wish this was included? Not, I mean, n- not really. Um, I feel like they almost included everything. Just about for us. I mean, there wasn't much that they missed. I mean, they, they made me do a wardrobe change. I guess that I should say that I, I should have been aware of, <laughs> but I didn't think I was wearing a, a branded shirt. Um, so for me, I had to wear that thing around my neck and it wasn't planned. It, it, that's the kind of. <laughs> you know, there's those things uh, of like. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I wish I could have done that. But, um, but, but yeah, other than that. No, um, not for me. Yeah, not for me either. I feel like they included almost everything. Everything they filmed, they just sort of shortened, you know, the capture. But 
For the most part. Well, and I think yours was one of the longest. Yours was, I think, almost 10 minutes. And the one I watched that came out on Friday or last week, there was one that was only like five minutes. So it was almost half the length. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah. They're all different lengths. I mean, it's all somewhere between five and 10, but there was one that was only five and I was kind of surprised that it was that short. But yours, I did feel like you really got to know you at the end. That's one of the things that stood out about yours. Obviously, I love your cabin, but also just as humans, it felt like you really got to know who you are and your family and the emotional connection to the cabin, um, which is part of a lot of them. But I just felt like it really stood out on yours. Uh, thank, yeah. you. thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we we definitely, like I said, we definitely felt like they capture that. Um, yeah. They captured it well. And we wanted to make sure that the children, I know they mentioned that was like the first time involving children of that age. Um, so we want to really make sure they were part of that to have that ownership and, you know, they, they can look back and, you know, and, and, and see that. Yeah. yeah. I have one more question about that. And then I'd love to talk about hosting because that doesn't get mentioned often. So when I look folks up afterwards, I'm always curious to see who lives there, who rents it, who doesn't. But I do want to ask about your kids because I think it's so interesting when you add a cabin. I've talked to Spencer of Retreat. Uh, I always forget the name. Retreat Falls, Branch Falls, something like that. Um, I talked to him about his kids and I'm curious um, how you've seen your kids change since you bought the cabin. What changes have you noticed in each of them or ways that it's changed your family and the family dynamics? I mean, I, I think for our children, um, like I said, you know, me having a fear of nature as a kid, um, making sure our kids did not have the same fear was key. And so, I mean, our kids roam in ways that they don't get to roam in the city. Yeah. The reality is I can't just open the door and say, just just, just go out and, you know, do whatever and be back whenever. Um, and so it's given them freedom. It's given us freedom. So we'll we'll be inside talking, having a cup of tea while the kids are just roaming the land and feel that feeling of knowing your kids are safe yeah. and that they are within, you know, nature and they're exploring. And um, I think that that's sort of what has, that dynamic has definitely, um, you know, created a sense of like love and slowness. And, 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 you know, we always talk about the art of doing nothing and just being mm-hmm. able to just being able to not feel like you constantly have to be stimulated, you know, at home. It's just, I'm bored. I don't know what to do. Can I get on my phone? Can I, you know, watch television? And so at the cabin, it's that feeling and that pressure is not necessarily there. Um, it's okay to sit around and do nothing. That's what we're here doing. And we, we embrace it. And so I think that that's like the major, major part that has sort of added to our family and for our children. Yeah. Precisely. Yeah, they, they definitely understand the the uh, simplicity of life that, that it can bring, right? Of just, again, um, following a caterpillar along the tree branch, right? And just enjoying that moment of yeah. seeing that. Um, and then understanding just as humans, like where we fit within the larger scope of things. Um, I think for our oldest, though, um, it's funny. We, he just came back from Alaska on a two-week journey, and we just sent him there. He didn't really ask questions. Um, and I think, <laughs> I think yeah. from, from us having this space, you know, he, he's, he, he has a, a certain trust with nature to know that like, you know, I can, you know, be out there and experience it and just understand how to navigate it, understand that it's going to provide more than it's going to take away. Yeah. Um, so that, that, that's been huge. What a life scale, because I do feel like we're in a time where it takes more effort to get outside, which is so yes. unfortunate, but there's so much pulling us inside. Right. And so much technology and just the way we all function that for him to have that kind of um, lack of fear, you know, and and willing to take that initiative because Alaska is like 
I mean, I dream of going there, but it also feels like one of the scariest outdoor spaces yeah. to go with the weather and the animals. And it, it does feel like yeah. for him to just do that is a good life skill. Yes, it is. Yes, yeah. it is. I remember your when you talked about the art of doing nothing on yours, because Sean and I are both um, not great at that. And, <laughs> and just really, it forced me to think a lot. And we've had a lot of conversations about it since, because I really struggle to slow down. I really struggle. Even when I'm at the cabin, I struggle to not to enjoy a moment and not be like, we should capture this and put it on Instagram. We should take a picture of this so that, you know, like even that desire. And we've talked a lot and we do less of that now because I'm really trying to be at the cabin, Mm -hmm. but it's hard to do that. Do you feel that tension between projects and marketing and enjoyment, or does it come naturally that you just get to enjoy it and do nothing? I mean, I think, I mean, it it comes pretty natural (laughs) for us. We, we, we understand um, that product, you know, being productive sometimes, you know, doing nothing is being productive. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't always have to do something. You, you know, we're, when we're home, we're always doing something. At work, we're always doing something. And so when do we give our time, when do we give our bodies and minds, you know, just a break of doing nothing? Um, because that, in a sense, forcing ourselves to do that, it's being, it's, it's a form of productivity, you know? And so, um I mean, I don't think we really struggle with having to force ourselves. In fact, there's projects that we kind of have to complete um, at the cabin that <laughs> haven't happened because every time we go there, we're just like, oh, we really just don't want to do nothing. Let's just sit outside. Let's Ugh, good for you. And we enjoy cooking. And so we're cooking yeah. things that we normally don't cook at home or um, we're going out to eat, you know, after a long hike, let's just sit outside. And so sit by the fire it, it, it really makes us slow down and, yeah. and and so that's key for us yeah, yeah. And, I, and i think we we still are doing something mentally it's just physically we're allowing you know the body to rest um nature's going to provide again so much so our minds are still you know interacting with something but we're, we're you know we're, we're allowing that time to rest which yeah. um yeah it is it's a luxury i'll say because not many people have that luxury of just saying that i'm going to you know, rest and relax. Yeah, so. that's so true. And that actually brings me to hosting because I like to think of it more as hosting and less of renting. And this idea that not everyone can necessarily afford to or have the desire to renovate, build, buy their own cabin. And I like to think of hosting as a way to share that experience. And especially guests don't have to worry about the projects. So to share that experience and chance to get away and just be without all the thinking mm-hmm. about tile selection or plywood or any of that. Did you always know from the beginning that you wanted to host when you renovated it? Was that part of your design or did that come later? That was that was part of our design. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted to. So initially when we started talking about um, hosting, we, I mean, <laughs> because we both are in education and um, provide some mental health support within the education system, Initially, we thought about um, allocating a few days a month to host um, someone who's grieving or mm-hmm. uh, host children who's never, you know, escaped into the woods. And so we thought about all these creative ways um, to sort of utilize the cabin to expose others. And so I think that that was the initial conversation. Mm-hmm. Let's let's figure out a way to share this because we we've had this opportunity. Um, we, we want to make sure that we, you know, expose others who haven't had the same opportunity. And so that sort of transformed into, let's just open it up to anyone who wants to come utilize the space. Yeah. And so 
Yeah, because I, 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 you know, it's 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 a art space somewhat. So it's almost like you know, I, one of our friends when he comes here, he's like, "Man, your house is like a, being in a museum." So there, we wanted to really design it to where people felt like you know, I'm in this space of peace, right? It, it's going to bring some type of calmness, and you know, it's not just I'm staying here. I'm going to experience this while I'm staying here. Um, so we we were intentional with that. Yeah. That's right. Because unlike a lot of spaces where you might be traveling somewhere and you're like, I'm going to see the city. So let me look on Airbnb or whatever and see if I can find some place to just like rest my body at night. But it it feels like your space is more of, no, I'm going here for this space, for this experience. Yes. 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 I mean, and I think we find that in terms of our guests. I think that that's, that is definitely the common trend of I'm going there to experience a specific space. Yeah. I mean, and then it's the Caskills, right? There's just, it's, it's, there's yeah. so much to do and it's such a known area. And so, and it's easy access to city folks. Um, and then sort of having the opportunity to also stay within the cabin within such a, you know, known area, it was sort of a plus plus. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we, we want folks to be able to go there and just be. Yeah. And you know, just stay, stay stale because so much, you know, again, we don't, we don't tend to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Was this your first experience hosting? Yes. What has it been like so far? Has any surprises, has it been better than expected? Anything harder? It's, it's been, it's been easier than expected. Mm -hmm. Um, It was definitely initially a fear in terms of like, and just a stressor in terms of being able to keep up with the pace and, we were very specific. We wanted someone to, whoever was going to maintain the home while we weren't there to understand how we wanted things placed. Like we wanted, we were very adamant. I want things in the same place. I want someone to, you know, experience it the same way we experience it. Yeah. And so initially we were like, how are we going to do this? Um, but we've made amazing connections in the area and, and you know, all of our neighbors sort of, we take care of each other. And they're, if, if our light is too bright, they'll, I'll get a phone call. Can you dim the lights? There's a beauty. You know, we have a neighbor who says, you know, part of being in the woods is having darkness, darkness and dark nights. So can we turn off the outdoor lights? Not a problem. And so um, it's it's a lot easier than what we expected. I'm going to say that we've had some surprises. We've had some guests. Yes. Um, which, which is part of it. But I mean, the yeah. majority of it, I mean, you know, you, you have to take the, the, the bad with the good. Um, but yeah, I think for us, it, it definitely we didn't think it was going to be um, this easy or just, you know, we enjoy it. So we, we didn't yeah. really, think, you know, cause some people I know, you know, you, you can outsource some things, but like, we really want to keep that connection and, and be a part of it all the time. So um, it definitely has been, a, it's been an amazing experience because you hear horror stories of Airbnbs and whatnot. Um, and we haven't, we, we've definitely had some stories, but <laughs> nothing that was like, you know, we can't uh, recover from it. Do you have and one so- story you want to share with us? <laughs> Um, we had a recent, um, guest who, um, booked for two people except, um, 16 people stayed. Yeah. 16? About 16. Yeah. They, they had, they had a party. I mean, yes. They, um, they definitely had a- in our little tiny 799 square foot cabin. How do you even so, fit 16 people? Right. <laughs> um, and you know, our neighbors, we, we have two acres of land. And so there is space. We don't have, neighbors don't have access. We don't have access to our neighbors. We have to sort of leave our street, go up the mountain, go fully around, but they're higher than us. And so Mm. we're able to somewhat still see us um, and can hear, but we don't have access to each other. Yeah. Um, 
And so we just, we got some phone calls late at night of, you know, there's a lot of people, there's a party, there's a lot of screaming. And so we were concerned in terms of like, did anything get damaged? That would Um, be my first thought. I was just, I I was thinking of our cane chairs. I said, there's holes through the cane. Um, Thankfully, there was no damages to the cabin. Um, what it was did you just do a- in that moment? Only because I get asked this question a lot and I am such a people pleaser that I don't have a great answer. Confrontation is very scary for me. So what did you do when you got those phone calls? Did you message the guests? Did you call them? I no, I did. I messaged the guest and I said, you know, what's happening? Like my neighbors, are, you know, express some concerns. There's a party. And her response was like, no, we just had some friends who came over um, and who are staying in the area and they'll be leaving. It wasn't true. In the morning time, they were still there. <laughs> it continued. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately, you know, we, in our review, we have to be honest. Yeah. Um, and that's really the only thing we get to do. Um, the reality is, as much as you feel like you have so much power, there's there's there is sometimes a feeling of powerlessness. Like yeah. there's only so much you could do. Yes, we could have called the cops and had sent you know the cops over. We weren't trying to take it that far. Yeah. I, once there could be a lot of unintended outcomes right. of that that I would not feel good about. Yeah. Right. And so um, when I when I sent her a message, I was just very clear. Like if if this is happening, um, there's nothing that I could do from my end. I just from your end, I just need you to make sure nothing is damaged. I need you to make sure everything is put back the way it was found. Mm. I need you to make sure to be respectful towards our neighbors. So I sort of gave her our expectation. Um, and let her know that the reality is we don't have control of what you're doing there now because we're not there. Um, so we're not going to intervene. We're just letting you know what our expectations are and left it at that. And thankfully, you know, everything was yeah, okay. They respected the space. They was respectful of the space. Yeah. What a beautiful teacher move. I feel like expectations are everything when you work in schools because you're obviously working with kids, but even with adults, just like clarifying your expectation and look at the outcome of that. Unfortunate that that happened, but by clarifying your expectations, she met all of them. Mm-hmm. She met all of them. So yeah. we were lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm sorry that happened, but what a good outcome for for a situation <laughs> like that. It could be so much worse. I feel like you got very lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any hosting advice for folks who are thinking about sharing their cabin with others? Do you have anything that's worked really well for you that's made it really enjoyable and easier than you expected? Having one person take care of your place. Yeah. Um, that has made everything so much easier. I know we consider, um, cleaning services where someone comes in and comes out and I get that works for some folks, um, for us specifically, because the space is so personal, so personal to us and it is our cabin and we do use it often and we want things to, you know, be well taken care of having one designated person to take care of it is key. Um, they live, five minutes away. Um, it's anything it's needed. It's just a phone call away. Um, whenever I need supplies, if I need to, you know, um, send over toilet tissue, everything is sort of, uh, on subscription through Amazon. And so (laughs) (laughs) part of me feels bad. And then part of me is like, I have three cabins. This is way easier to just have everything auto. And so she receives everything and knows where everything goes. Mm -hmm. So there's a system in place. Versus having to communicate with someone differently every single time, having the system in place definitely makes things a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and she knows, you know, how we want things and mm-hmm. how it should look for every guest when they show yes. up. Yeah. Yes. 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 That helps. I, and I think also um, 
just the detail, paying attention to detail. I think we, we've, we've always treated it sometimes as if we are the guests as well. So like if I'm a guest in my cabin, what, you know? What do I want to experience? Yeah, what, what I want to experience. See. Yeah. Uh, so really thinking about that um, in, in, in hosting. Um, and then, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I think, and also being genuine. Yes. Like, yeah, like yeah, we, yeah. this is not, for us, this is not just like, it, we're, it's a genuine place. Like we, you know, we, it's special to us. We want people to feel like it was a special experience. So we value our guest experience. We want them to feel like they're connected. We want them to have memories there. We want them to say, I want to come back. Um, and so just that genuine, you know, feeling and, and attachment to our guests, I think has mm-hmm. been very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to give advice on that front because I feel like that's one of the ones that you either have or you don't. And it does, it's a whole lot more likely that you'll have it when you pour as much time and energy as you two have in renovating your cabin. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. I have one more important question for you. And actually, because you're an A-frame, I noticed at the beginning when I referred to it as Pine Hill Cabin, you and your answer then called it Pine Hill A-frame. A friend of mine, Alexis, who owns the Kingdom A-Frame, is very adamant that A-Frames are not cabins. But your A-Frame was featured on the Cabin Chronicles. So are <laughs> A-Frames cabins? Are all A-Frames cabins? And what makes a cabin? I feel like A-Frames are cabins. Yes. It, it is a specific Type of type cabin? of cabin, cabin, yes, but I I think A frames because of it being like the quintessential vacation home, they've tried to distinguish themselves separately from cabins. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I you think it's be because of it. yes, and but it's interesting, right? Because because of sometimes the landscape or where that wherever the place uh, geographically, you know, that also can clarify it as a cabin, but. I don't know, because I, I mean, there's A-frames that are on the beach, right? There's this, right. I mean, you could build an A-frame anywhere, so. So is it not a cabin if it's on the beach, do you think? To make it a cabin, yeah, does it need to be in the woods? It's a beach, it's a beach cabin. Yeah, or a beach cottage, okay. <laughs> yeah. tricky, isn't it? You That's, get into the details and it gets more confusing. No, I mean, for us, it's definitely, it's, a, it's an A-frame cabin. Yes. It's a combo yeah. of both. It's, you know, it's a retreat in the woods. And that's, um, yeah, which makes it the cabin because of where it's makes it a cabin. located. Um, yeah. So you're saying what makes a cabin a cabin versus a house has a lot to do with location? Purpose. Yes. Hmm. I think purpose. So if you if it's somewhere that it's a retreat of some sort, um, and I guess design, because then the cottage has the same purpose as a cabin. It's just the location of it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So then, yeah. Card, if you moved to the cabin, would it no longer be a cabin? It will not. Interesting. Okay. What do you think? It's the cabin I live in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some people do remove themselves from, you know, society and move into a cabin. So, yeah, I mean. I mean, you could argue that was the original cabin. I feel like back in the day, cabin culture was like recluses, where it's like I'm leaving society and going off grid to a cabin, but they're living there. Yes, yes, yes. Very true. Very true. Well, we continue the quest to figure out what makes a cabin a cabin because none of us can agree on it, but it's a fun thing to think about. It is. It is. Guys, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. It was really great chatting with you and learning more about the cabin. Where can folks find you? Uh, Pine Hill A-Frame on Instagram and Studio Bunkley. For any interior design services. Okay. So when I asked you what you did in the real world, you said education, but you also offer interior design services. Tell us more. 
We do. I mean, I, I think, so this is my, going into my 25th year of education and youth development. Uh, so I, I've, I've been, you know, seeking to transition out. Um, so we, we did start a, a small firm um, where, you know, we take, took our vintage collection and we started designing spaces. So we were doing storefronts. We were doing uh, uh, window treatments for different retail spaces. Um, so we, we have done it. We've done some renovations in some homes in Brooklyn of friends of ours and whatnot. So we've done it. It's just having the time, you know, and, and again, with our kids. So um, that's what the cabin had did provide us. It provided us a space instead of having a new client. That was our client. Yeah. But um, it is something that we do. I mean, we're about to renovate this home in Queens that we live in now um, for the second time. So, I mean, it's something that we do and we practice, but we do offer that, you know, we do consultations for people. Um, I mean, anything and everything, you, you know, you, you're seeking furniture. I mean, I, I pick furniture almost every day if I can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is really good to know. I feel like a lot of our listeners have some of these needs, so it could be really interesting to see if there's a fit for any of them. Where can they find you for that? You said info at studiobunkley.com? That, uh, yes, yeah, studiobunkley.com is a website. Okay. Um, and then our Instagram is at studiobunkley. Okay. Perfect. So they can find you in both of those places. I love where the cabin provides like um, a proof point of the work that you can do because it's for you. There's no client but you. So it's truly a creative example of what you're able to do. Are you going to be documenting the renovation of your home anywhere? We are. Yes. 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 This home in Queens? Yeah. We are because it's, I mean, I'm excited about it um, just because of the approach we're having with it. Um, But yeah, we, we will document it because um, we don't do it enough. We we always get caught up in, you know, know. really immersed in the process, but um, yeah. we're really going to try and be, you know, wise about, you know, documenting it. So we will. Yeah. Okay. And people will be able to find that at Studio Bunkley. That's where you'll be documenting it? Yes. Okay. Perfect. Yes. I look forward to seeing that uh, and following that adventure. I love interior design. I love what you did with the cabin. So I can only imagine what you're going to do with that house. So definitely Thank keep you. my eye out for that. Thank yes. you. It was so good to meet both of you. Thank you for doing this. And thank Same, you for yeah. considering us and thinking of us as well. Yes, appreciate yes. your time. Thanks so much for listening. And if you like what you heard, feel free to leave us a five-star rating on Spotify or share some of your favorite parts over on Apple Podcasts and a review. If you have any suggestions for guests or feedback, you can always find us on Instagram at Cozy Rock Cabin and The Chalet Frame, spelled C-H-A-L-A. See you next week, and thanks for joining us.